Welcome to another episode of the Heart Shift Journey podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm your host, Andrea Mauser, a mindset and personal growth coach and creator of Choose Your Journey. We all endure hardship in some form in our life. It's those very things we go through, we grow through. My guest today is Emily Snedden, who shares her inspirational journey of living with diabetes. Her diagnosis was the result of a routine life insurance checkup. In really a moment's time, she went from living quote unquote a normal life to navigating her new normal with food, her lifestyle, and insulin use to maintain her diabetes. Emily opens up about diabetes burnout, and I love what she shares about chunking out your day when it seems to be going bad. I also love her mantra too of, you have to keep going, you just can't quit. Emily is full of life and love, and time with her was so motivating to me, and I hope you feel that too from listening to our conversation. Thank you for listening, and be sure to check out my website, www.chooseyourjourney.co, to hear other episodes of inspiration. Well, I am so excited to be talking with Emily Snedden tonight. Hello, Emily. Thank Hi. you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yes. You are going to share with us tonight about your journey with diabetes. Yes. I'm really anxious to hear more about that because what I think I know, I think I don't think I know. Right. You know, you just kind of what you see, but I know there are so many people in my, even in my family, I have cousins, but I guess, you know, I've never really had an opportunity to connect with them on it. So thank right. you for yeah. opening up your story to of me. Of course. Not yeah. So if you would just share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your family. Okay. Um, like Andrea, like you said, I am Emily Snedden and I am from the good old town of Dyersville, Iowa, in case your listeners don't know where Dyersville <laughs> is, I guess. Um, and I am married to my husband, Justin. We just celebrated our five Six-year anniversary. <laughs> we have a nine-year-old daughter, Tatum, and I work for um, our family business with Interstate Battery, and I have like 17 side jobs because I like to stay busy. I organize. I have an uh, organizing business. I just did Andrea's Closet, and it's Love beautiful. Love it. Yes. Um... I also teach workout classes, and I know that's going to get brought up with some of my diabetes stuff. So I do teach classes um, at Total Fitness Rec Center and also at Bar Raising Fitness. Um, and do you just, do you only have 24 hours in your day? I know. Yeah. Okay. I just wondered if you had found the secret sauce. There's a question on your little questionnaire that says, what do you do for fun? And I have, I don't have time for that. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I do. But yes, I am yeah. very, I'm very busy. I can't sit still. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I roll. roll. So, but yeah, that's pretty much the basics about me. Yeah. Um, and going back in, in time, mm-hmm. how old were you when you, like what transpired in your life that resulted in kind of a diagnosis with your Yeah. Health? So, um, I was being an adult and I was shopping around for some life insurance. So this happened, uh, five years ago. Um, yeah. So my... My what really what started it is my grandpa had passed away and we were um, buying his house to kind of rent it out and do that. So in order to do that and get the loans and all that, I needed to have life insurance. I did, but it wasn't as good as the they what they wanted me to have for this loan. So they sent a traveling nurse out to my house. Um, She showed up. She did all the things: temperature, blood pressure, 
weight, all that stuff. Um, and then I remember I was picking up my daughter at um, her school and I had gotten a phone call from the insurance company in town and I was in the middle of picking her up so I let it go, I just let it go to voicemail. And then he said, hey, give me a call back, it's pretty important. So then as I'm on my way home, I'm calling him back and he's telling me that you, the nurse saw some numbers that were startling and he, and she really wants you, she recommended to go to the doctor, like go to your doctor, call them right away and get seen by your physician. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really like putting it together of how urgent this was. And I said, okay, well I'll see, I have an appointment. I think I had an appointment coming up and it was like three weeks away if I remember correctly and he's like no it can't it can't wait that long and I said okay so then he tells me some of the information and then I call my doctor right away and I told the nurse and I said hey I just was trying to get life insurance these are the numbers that she told me so a normal uh person who has a working pancreas their A1C, which I, again, I'm not medically, I suck at the medical stuff, but it's an average of your blood sugar stuff for the, for three months. And it should be in a normal person between 4.0 and 6.0. Mine was 12.7. Wow. Yeah. So an, an average blood sugar, so in a normal day, uh, a normal human should be between 80 for blood sugar up to maybe around like the 115 110 is kind of like the normal Mm -hmm. um my average was 237 yeah so the doctor had me come in right away the next day um did some blood tests and then pretty much were you feeling okay so that's the other thing that was crazy to me because i had asked once i get to the doctor i'm like what should i have been looking for so this is important if you ever have these symptoms but they were common to me though also so um blurred eyed vision so i remember specifically driving uh down 136 heading to pick up my daughter from school and i just felt like my eyes like they kept getting kind of blurry. I couldn't see some of the signs, but I had also at the time, I hadn't been to an eye doctor in quite a few years because like I have bad eyes, but I was just like, my prescription wasn't that bad that Mm -hmm. I needed to constantly go. Mm -hmm. Um, And so blurry vision, I remember like I could barely see the signs and I was like, okay, that's just, it's just very odd on how blurry with my contacts, how blurry it was. And then um, thirst. I, I could not get enough water. But the one time I recall, specifically once the doctor is telling me all these symptoms, the one time that I did that or felt so thirsty that I couldn't get enough water, um, we had the night, that night for supper, we had like ham steak or like stuff like that. And like that is the one thing that like makes me the thirstiest, you know? So I was like, Okay, well, I could see. I mean, I remember standing in front of the fridge drinking as much water as possible, but I was like, yeah. man, that ham was salty. Like, right. you know, like that didn't, it didn't dawn on me that that was probably maybe a symptom because they were all happening mm. around the same time. And then the other one was um, 
having to use the restroom a lot, having to pee a lot. Um, and then for me at the time, it, that's not uncommon because I try to drink, you know, half my body weight in water, you right. know, recommended, whatever it is. So I've been doing that. And then, but the thing that I did notice is that it would actually wake me up in the middle of the night. Like I could always go to the bathroom before I went to bed. I would sleep throughout the whole night, wake up, and then I would go. But there was a few times for like about a week to three week time span, it would wake me up and I was like, oh, I need to get to the bathroom now or Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make it. I'll be a 35-year-old pee in the bed, you know, like that's, it was crazy. But those were the three, those are the three main symptoms for diabetes. And I had no idea. Yeah, because I'd be like... Well, I'm I'm this age. Isn't that just the prognosis of getting older? Right, right, Aging. exactly, exactly. You have to pee a lot when you get older. Right, you can't see so good, right. and if you're thirsty, so yeah, all right. the box marks got checked. Yeah, it it wasn't alarming to me any of those mm-hmm. symptoms because mm-hmm. they were pretty common. Or in my head, I had an explanation for all of those. Yeah. So yeah, I went into the endocrinologist. She told me those symptoms. She looked at my blood work and she said, well, uh, with those numbers, I, you're type, you have diabetes. And I was like, like, so I can fix it with food, you know, cause I didn't, I didn't know a lot. I have one grandpa who had it, but he had type two and he didn't get it until he was in his sixties, seventies maybe. Um, but it also wasn't talked about a lot, so I didn't know until I was diagnosed that any of these family members even had it. And then I had another grandpa who also had type 2. But again, with exercising and with food, they were able to combat the diagnosis and just not have to have insulin and do all that. So yeah. um, otherwise, that's like that was it. So I was like, so I can fix it. And she was like, no, you have... With your numbers being that high of an A1C, because type 2 people, you'll hear, um, like, pre-diabetic. If you ever yeah. felt like, you know, like, my grandma is pre-diabetic, or my mom, or she has been. And that's when they're like, yeah, you can fix it, because you're above, that's usually around, I think it's, what is it? Like, 5 point something up to a 6? I can't remember what the 5 point number mm-hmm. is, but it's like, right before you get to a 6... <clears throat> That's what they consider pre-diabetic. And so that's when the doctor like makes you meet usually like with a dietitian or do all of that to kind of make sure you don't become a type 2 diabetic. And she said, no, with your A1C at a 12, double the, double the number, you like my diagnosis is type 1. So that they, the nurse left, <clears throat> came back to show me how to start using insulin grabbed a pen, how to use insulin right away. And I felt bad because she was super nice and awesome, but she left and she was going to go get the doctor. And I start just sobbing. Cause I was like, it was just such a huge thing to hear of. Yeah. Like now I went from just trying to get life insurance right. to now I'm a type one diabetic. And then she comes back in. She's like, Oh, the doctor's not ready. Uh, are you okay? Like it was like, she noticed I was like a mess, but she was the sweetest and but yeah, so then I went straight from being diagnosed and that was the day after my birthday. So that would have been, what was it? 2016. And so I just celebrated my five-year diversary is what they call it. So really? Yeah. So I've been living with it for five years now. Okay. You talked about 
thinking with your grandparents being type two mm-hmm. and you were diagnosed with type one. Yes. So do you have, can you share with us like what the difference is between? Yeah. So for me, I have, um, technology, thank God is way better than it has been in the past, but I need to know what my blood sugar is pretty much all the time. Um, so I have the Dexcom and so that's attached to me. It's, I have like a little monitor and a transmitter attached, um, because I have to, before the Dexcom, so like I think my first year with it, I had to prick my fingers before every meal and then before bed and then check my blood sugars in this little doohickey machine that I got. Um, and then figure out how many carbs I'm eating because we, we focus on the carb count. And from there, I had to give myself a shot of fast-acting insulin. So for the most part, from an average day, I was one, two, three, four to five times a day pricking my fingers. And then for sure, four times a day, I was injecting myself with insulin. So some people use a pump. I have, I feel more in control. I know people will say they feel in control, which I, yes, I just feel more in control for myself. My personal opinion for me is with just a shot with a needle, mm-hmm. not having it attached to me mm-hmm. the whole time. So yeah. So then I have to figure out how many units and then do that. But now with the Dexcom, I no longer have to prick my finger. Um, it's just every 10 days I have to move my transmitter because it only lasts 10 days and then that transmits my blood sugar so there's a little needle inside wow inside me and then that transmits to my phone and then I can set my parameters to being like hey if if I get too close to like 75 alert me because it that's too low okay and that's a we'll probably get to that too because that's a whole nother whoa. And then if I get too high, so my endocrinologist wants me to stay below 130 or try to stay below 130, um, it'll alert me that I'm too high so that I can correct it and fix it. So I can try and keep a nice level line. That's not always the case, but Mm -hmm. just try and keep a nice level line. Wow. So. Wow. So yeah, so I have to do shots. Um, Type 2 people, for the most part, they with exercise and with eating correctly, you know, somewhat healthy, they, most of them don't have to do shots. I think some of them I've heard, you know, might have to take some pills of some sort, like a daily pill or something like that. But I have to constantly put in, my pancreas doesn't work. So I do not create um, I don't produce insulin. Okay. So type two still is kind of new. Okay. So would it be fair to say that a person, is there any age limit? Do you feel like on, you could, you have, um, you're a certain age to get type one or no. you can be a certain age to get type two. Yes. Just- so it used to be like that. So type one used to be known. Um, and some people who might be listening might be wondering like what type one, it used to be juvenile diabetes so because it was happening in younger kids um teenagers that younger age group and then they know there was also a lot of type 2 happening 
in the older, you know, like my grandparents' age, 50s, 60s and up. Um, because, you know, after that many years of maybe not eating the healthiest or maybe a lot of processed foods or stuff like that, maybe not enough exercise, mm -hmm. um, that can affect the pancreas and all of that stuff. So it was always type 2 was known kind of stereotypical of older crowd type one juvenile was younger but my endocrinologist had said um even i think it was like my second last appointment that the amount of just so the people in the middle it doesn't really happen a lot but she's noticing that it is happening more mm. and especially with like the type type one um i have one second cousin who did who has type one but he's, I think he's actually my third. I always get confused when it I gets past. <laughs> Once it gets past, like, Related. are good. you second, twice removed? <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. So I think it's my second. But he did get type one um, in college. I couldn't remember what. Yeah, so he was like his sophomore year in college, and mm. he did. So he's the only known relative that I have, but I feel like he's down the line a little bit where it's like, it went to cross my mind, you know, like it's not a big connection. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, but she was saying that a lot more people are kind of diabetes is kind of getting in there more. Mm. If that makes I don't want to say popular cause that's not, you know what I mean? Cause it's yeah. not a popular disease to have, right. but it's just more common. More prevalent. Wow. Yes. So when you left the doctor office that day, mm -hmm. did you feel like educated enough to like, when you got home, to be like, I know exactly what I need to do. And to like, did you have to transform your lifestyle then? For the most part, yes. Um, they had, like, they were great. And they set me up right away with a dietitian at the hospital. I had an appointment like two days later for that. Um, a lot of it also has to do, like with type 1, and I even asked my doctor when I'm sitting there, bawling I'm like is there something that I did like is there something that could have prevented this and she said no there was probably some sort of virus some sort of um I think it was what was it mm, I suck at timelines uh, maybe like six months prior to that I was feeling really run down and kind of crappy and I got my num like did blood work and then they ended up finding out that my thyroid mm. is off so I'm like hypo I really am medically, <laughs> I really know medic, medical terms. Uh, so whatever it was, I had to start taking that medication. Um, so she thinks some sort of virus attacked sure. and kind of and ended up attacking my pancreas. And that's why uh, it all happened. But now I just forgot where I was going with that. Yeah. What were we talking about? When you got home, yes. like how the lifestyle changed. She's Louise, Emily. <laughs> There's so, a lot to go think about. <laughs> So at that, um, at that time, so like for me, my fitness health journey has always been kind of up and down, whatever. Um, and I had just started kind of like re taking control of it. And I was like, kind of like, I followed a friend of mine who does workouts and does nutritional things. Um, and so after meeting with a dietitian, it was the same, it was the same stuff that she had always been saying, you know, like most of your plate full of veggies, you know, the carbs are not bad, 
but the right carbs are what you want, not all the mm-hmm. bad ones. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, and at that point when I got diagnosed, I was at, um, I had just like lost 20 pounds, so I was feeling like pretty good about myself. And then I was like, okay, well now I just need to really focus on the nutrition. Like I was, you know, 50% focusing on nutrition, mm-hmm. working out a lot more. Mm-hmm. So then this is where I really turned it on and it kind of clicked. So I think for me, I didn't have to change a lot of my lifestyle when it comes to like food and alcohol or anything like that because I kind of was yeah. already focusing on that, yeah. focusing on that, and not really. I mean, I don't drink a lot, so um, that was one thing. Like I like to have one occasionally on socially right. and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but um, she had said that alcohol though can affect your blood sugars because. Well, one, if you're anything like me, when I drink, all I want are the carbs. You know, give me the chips, the pretzels, popcorn, all of those things. Um, So that's one thing. So she's like, you have to be careful with that because with drinking, you tend to eat crappy. Right. Um, And then two is at night with the alcohol. Again, I suck at all the medical things, but something happens where when you drink alcohol, then your blood sugar can drop at night, which makes it pretty dangerous and it can drop too low. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of was like, okay, well, I don't want that in as an option, you know, like let's just eliminate it completely so that I'm not freaking out before I go to bed that I might not wake up. So, um, but yeah, otherwise, like, you know, working out, she said, and a lot of it I didn't have to change too because she said, you've been working out, so you don't need to change anything with that. Um, the only thing is, is a couple of times, the other weird thing about this whole disease is that you can be 100% on and good and eating right and working out, but then your body sometimes thinks... So when I work out, I teach spin, like I said, at the rec center. And if I do too much cardio and my heart rate gets like too high, what is it? It's my liver? No. There's an organ in your body that releases, it like thinks something's wrong. And so it releases some sort of glucose. So that's Mm. why my blood sugar will spike. So a couple of times in spin, my alarm has gone off and scared everybody, but Um, so it's just weird how like now my body's like, oh, well you are working so hard. You need glucose to get some energy to finish this workout. Okay. And then it's like, so I'm working out, but now my blood sugar is in like the two fifties and it's, it's frustrating because you think you're doing everything right, but then your body's sabotaging you. Yeah. So that's fun. Trying to get that communication. Right. Like this is okay. Right. I'm doing this. (laughs) Right. Yeah. What do you feel like your mindset was like in going through this transition? So it is a con. Well, it is a constant roller coaster. Um, at the beginning, I felt pretty strong and confident with it, and like I knew what I was doing, and I was just like, okay, this is gonna suck, but you. I mean, I have to do it because some people. I had somebody come up to me once and say, "Oh, I could never, I could never stick myself with needles," and I was like, "Well." <laughs> If it's life or death, you you will. You'll have to. Um, but it's like the mindset, like right 
what was it like hmm, four months ago at the end of summer they have people have diabetes burnout it's a thing okay. pretty common thing with diabetes um it's it's not fun it's it's one of those mental like it's something that you do with daily i mean you're dealing with checking your blood sugars constantly knowing what you're eating constantly paying attention to all of those things and then for me when I was thinking I was doing everything right and it wasn't right, I just just felt defeated and felt very frustrated. And then at that point of the burnout, I was kind of like, screw it. Like I didn't, so I didn't do a very good job of taking care of it like within the last probably six months. Um, but it's just, it is, it's like you feel like you can feel super mentally strong and you feel like you got this and you can do it. And then it's like two days later, you're just like, I'm done. I'm fed up, but you can't because it is something that you are, you have to deal with for the rest of your life. And you do have to, um, you know, manage it in a way that you have to manage it. So it's realistic, you know, but when I first was diagnosed and right when we came home and you were talking about that tra asking about that transition, I feel like I went 100%. So I was no carbs because I was, I was kind of panicked and kind of freaked out. Like if I eat any carbs, my blood sugar is going to get high. And yeah. you know, I did do the Google research, which you shouldn't do the Google research because then it's telling me if you don't do things right, that you like, and I sh I'm sure some of this is true, but it was like the thing that sticks out in my head is I was like, if you don't do some of these things right, you could shave off eight years of your life. Oh my God. Yeah. So that like constantly goes through my head like, okay, Emily, focus because eight years, you know, when I'm old, that could be another grandchild, you know, or whatever. Right, like that's what right. goes through my head. So it is. It's like, so don't Google. Don't Google <laughs> medical things ever. Oh. <laughs> But, um, so oh, I got lost my train of thought again. Yeah. Just the mindset and the transition. Yeah. So it's just, it's so the roller coaster is, it's crazy of just feeling good one day, feeling bad the next day, but you have to like, so I know one of your questions on there was like asking like kind of what motivates you or keeps when you have these obstacles. And it's like, if anything from this disease, it's really helped me to kind of like, hey, you're going to have bad days. So if you can do anything, you know, just make it through the next two hours or just, you know what I mean? Like you have sometimes with this, you have to take it by each meal, each half hour, each day, each week. You have to take it slower um, and increment it in that way. Because if you look at it in the big picture, like it is, it's like frustrating so I see the doctor every three months and I'm kind of like, okay, how can I get my A1C in these three months? How can I get my blood sugars to be where they need to be so my A1C can be where it needs to be? So it's kind of a constant. It keeps me motivated. It can be very frustrating at times, but at least I'm like, okay, so you had a bad day. Today's a new one. Mm -hmm. Let's start over and try again. Yeah, and, and the fact that we eat multiple mm -hmm. times a day right so it's not like it's something like oh if it happened before bed 
okay, we go to bed. We sleep yep. once a day. Yep. When you're eating continuously like that, the reminders, the, the work, and like you said, thankful for technology in that yeah. way. And to think like a lot of times we eat for pleasure. Yeah. And that's really probably been removed from that sensory. Yeah. So that that's another struggle for me because, I, I mean, being from the Midwest, every social activity we do or every celebration, every anything, it's surrounded by food. You know, oh, we're going to celebrate a graduation. Let's get food, cupcakes for all, you know, birthday, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's been, it's been hard trying to find that balance of, yes, you should be able to enjoy this stuff. And as a diabetic, the misconception is is that you can't eat, like you can't eat the sweets, you can't eat the sugars, you can't eat the carbs. That is not the case. As the joke is on some of the diabetes. Diabetic Facebook things. They they say there's like a meme and it says the only thing a diabetic can't eat is a cookie with poison or something like that. <laughs> so you can eat a cookie, just maybe not the poison. So it's like we can eat everything. We just have to monitor and give ourselves the insulin to cover it. Sure. So so yeah, with some of those activities and the social gatherings and all of that, it's been. I had to kind of put myself in check. I still enjoy myself, but mm-hmm. I need to find that balance of enjoy yourself, but also don't raise your blood sugars. Yeah. For Maybe days. we need to start a movement where it's like we're socially here. Yes. And have food be secondary. <laughs> yes. And the people interaction be primary yes. as opposed to. No food socials. Yeah. Don't meet in the kitchen. Yes. We got to move oh. it to the, the garage or... That's going to be the new interior design that people are building in houses. I don't want an open concept. I want the kitchen in the very back. Please. Like it used to be. The kitchen yes. was closed up. They're yes. small. Yes. So. Yeah. So... You talked about ranges mm-hmm. and keeping it within a certain range. Yep. And can you just share about the impacts if you when you've gone too low or when you've gone too high? Yes. So... For the most part, when other diabetics um, have told me that they feel some side effects when they go too high, I haven't felt anything too high. So um, some for other diabetics, they might feel pretty sluggish, um, tired, and kind of just, you know, kind of like when you eat a lot of food and you just kind of feel crappy after a big meal, Mm -hmm. they kind of feel like that heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't feel that too much. Now, when I go low, that's a whole different story. Um, when I go like usually, luckily my body is pretty intuitive that before I had the Dexcom. So when I would go to bed before, um, the technology, I would go to, I would check my blood before bed um, give myself my long-lasting insulin. That's a different one that kind of gives me just a little bit throughout the whole day. Um, and then I would go to bed. My doctor would say, before you go to bed, make sure you're around 100. Don't be below 100. So because at night you tend to drop a little bit, mm. if I'm doing everything correctly, you don't you drop a little bit. And so if I'm below 100 already and I drop a little bit, then I'm in kind of that territory where they don't want you to be. Okay. So a couple of times though, my I woke up and I was like, I feel very off and I would start sweating. I would go downstairs, check my blood and I'm like 
in the 60s. Ooh. Yeah. So um, when I get too low, I am dripping with sweat. Sweating like like I just ran a half marathon sweating. Um, my speech is very slow and I can't really make out sentences. Um, a few times Justin has come downstairs and has seen me just sitting on the kitchen floor shoving as much candy in my mouth as I can, dripping with what like sweat. And he's like, are you okay? And I can't even, like I can't make out sentences. Wow. So I know of a couple of people that like, with Instagram and all of that that I have followed that are also diabetics and one of them has actually gone I don't know the term again man I'm good thing I'm not like a doctor <laughs> podcast thing but it was like she almost went into a coma because her blood sugar went so low so I have not had to go to the ER yet or knock on wood mm-hmm. somewhere um but it has been very sweaty very I've gotten pretty scared a couple of times just because it's so low and the fact that I can't even like, I know what I want to say, but I can't even get the sentences out. Have you been in a spot where you've been by yourself in those situations? um, I don't think so. Not that low. No, I've gone low before, but I've been around like at work Mm -hmm. and then my mother-in-law will grab me a granola bar or something like that. Um, but I don't like that's, and this is the other part of why diabetes is just, but I'll go super low and I hate that feeling so much. And I feel so bad during my lows that I want to spike my blood sugar as fast as I can to get at least into that normal feeling again. And they, so I like my daughter's Halloween candy is like, in my mouth as fast as I possibly can. Yeah. But then after a half hour, now my blood sugar's up in the 200s. You know what I mean? Oh, so it's yeah. like when I go too low, I want to fix it as fast as possible so I don't wait. You're supposed to take some like take some sort of like 15 carbs is what I kind of, they recommend for me to kind of sorry, I should explain 15 grams of carbs would raise my blood sugar 50 points. So if I was at like 70, 15 grams would raise it up to 120. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. So usually if I eat like, you know, some of those little mini candy bars already Mm -hmm. have 10 to 15 carbs in them. So if I was to do the correct thing, which would be eat one, wait 15 minutes, and then see where my blood sugar is. Then you, then from there you should, do I eat more or am I good? Well, I feel so crappy in that first 15 minutes. I'm like, I, I don't want to wait. Yeah, like that's an eternity. Yes. Get me to the very, not to the top. I don't want to be at the top, but get me as far up from the low as I possibly can mm-hmm. without like as fast, like as fast as I possibly can. Cause I do not like feeling like that so it's constant so yeah but sentences don't make sense sweating a lot sweating a lot yeah do you carry um foods with you do you have things that you feel all the time yeah so usually i have like a little granola bar i used to do better at it um they have actual glucose tablets Mm. that you can get at like some of the drugstores and stuff so i used to have those in my little pack um I need to do better of having those 
things with me, but I usually have something in my car, mm-hmm. something in my purse. Yeah. But like for some of those short trips to the grocery store or in like that, sure. I usually don't. But um, but usually those are quick enough that it yeah. wouldn't affect me too much. So. So really, it sounds like the the time to go high is generally when you're when you're doing a, a workout, like a cardio type yeah. workout. Any other situations? Um, for the most part, workouts and. Especially like during my, when I don't do well with my carb counting and my insulin and stuff like that. So when I was feeling like very mm-hmm. burnout, I te- I that was like one of the definitions of like a diabetic burnout is when you kind of don't care that you have mm-hmm. diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, and that's why my A1C, so a little bit about also kind of going back on my journey is that my A1C when I was diagnosed was 12.7, but then that first three months I went so hardcore on my nutrition and everything that I was able to get it down from that down to a 5.7. So my doctor was kind of impressed, but kind of like, wow, how in God's (laughs) name did you do, like, how did you do that? So I stayed, I stayed in what I needed to for range wise for quite a while, but then this whole burnout that I had this past six months or whatever it was, um, it has spiked back up to like 7.2, I think. So my blood sugars have not been very good mm-hmm. for the last couple of months, six mm-hmm. months. It's been, it's been rough. I think, I mean, besides just the diabetes thing, just with everybody, mm-hmm. you know, the last two years, it's been a lot. And Absolutely. so there's been a lot going on and mm-hmm. this was just another added thing to my plate that I was just like, I should have cared, but I kind of didn't. So I would take insulin, but I, it's not like I ever skipped. Um, there are people who would do that, but I would never skip, but I just wasn't counting correctly. I was being very lazy with it and be like, oh yeah, I think that's, oh, that's probably six units of insulin. And then it was probably more like I probably needed more. I mean, so there's the food labels are hard to interpret just for basic nutrition. Yeah. Let alone the stuff you, that's not packaged that you're making on your own to think like, where would this fall? Yeah. Yeah. Arbitrary number. You just apply. Exactly. So it's a lot, but it, uh, it's working. I, it's, I feel like I'm in a, after this last appointment too, so we usually see each other every three months and then with things with COVID and things with all of that, she pushed us back to every six months just to make some of the, yeah you know, having to come over to the hospital and whatnot. And I had told her after this last appointment, I said, I would prefer it be every three months because I feel like that holds me accountable knowing I'm seeing you yeah. every three months. So she's like, if you want to see me every three months, that's fine. So that's what we're going to do. So hopefully I can because the other thing with A1Cs and diabetes is that, you know, my husband and I, we have been kind of trying for more kids. Um, And for the safety of myself and for the safety of a baby, if we were to get pregnant, they want me to be under a 6.0. So that's kind of the sweet spot is to be in that range mm-hmm. for less stress on both mm-hmm. of us. 
Um, but then it's frustrating because I was lazy and I wasn't doing the right things. And now I'm back up to a 7.2. So it's like, okay, well, we got to start all over until I can get back to where I should be. Yeah. So, so we're working on it, but it's a daily, it's a daily thing. Yeah. Well, I always just appreciate like the motivation, the positive attitude that you, you know, every time we see it's Emily's in a good mood. Like, (laughs) you know, like you just, you bring it and you really motivate people and inspire people in that way. And, you know, I, do you feel like you have the support around you to kind of give back and give you that inspiration and motivation? Yes. 100%. Yeah. I have a great group of friends and family who have, you know, even my daughter, she's so funny. Is yes, I can eat anything, but she sometimes will like when I'm eating a candy bar. She's like, "Mom, do you think you should?" I was like, "You're probably right, Tatum. Thank you. I shouldn't be eating that." So, yeah. um, no, my family, great support. I have a great group of like even like my workout buddies, my Babs people, all of those um, who just keep me motivated and keep me. Like, they give it right back to me, so yeah. I think I feed off of them just as much. Yeah. So, yeah, I have a great support awesome. system. Awesome. So, yeah. One thing I just realized I wanted to ask you about was yeah. my insulin. And, you know, is there any challenges that you have in being able to get it? It sounds like you have to go through quite a bit. Yes. Do you have so, that on, on, like, demand, like... How does that work? Is it yes. a prescription? So, yep, I have a prescription for it. So every time I meet with the doctor, she just kind of makes sure my numbers um, kind of like how much, how many grams I'm counting per unit of insulin. So then she knows how many pens to give me for um, usually like it's a five month-ish kind of time frame. It kind of varies. So I actually ended up having just a couple, mm, just last month, I think it was, a big problem because with my diabetic burnout, I was using way more insulin because I was eating all the ice cream. I was just kind of just feeling sorry for myself. And so as, yes, as motivating and sometimes smiley I am, I was having like, you know, not feeling the greatest about myself. And so I was using more insulin because I was eating all those comfort foods and all the things that I shouldn't. Um, So I was going on to my spin class and um, I needed to get more insulin because I had just used, when I usually never run out like this, but I had used my last unit of my fast acting, which is the one that I use for meals. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had just run out like that day for lunch. So I didn't need it until supper. And I got to the pharmacy and they said that, well, when I called them that they needed to call the doctor to get it filled because it wasn't refillable. And I was like, well, I just met with her. Why is it not refillable? Well, here I couldn't. So I went to them and they couldn't fill it until Sunday per my units, per however many carbs. So what I my prescription was for should have lasted me until Sunday, oh. but because I was using more insulin during this time frame. Mm-hmm. It ran out sooner. So then the pharmacist, she was very nice. I was frustrated. And I'm like, I can't not have insulin for three days. Because this was Thursday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Wow. Yeah, three and a half days. It's like, well, and then if you think a pharmacy is not going to even be open on Sunday. So then you're thinking another day on to right. that until Monday. So four days. 
Um, so she was calling, she was doing whatever she could to try and figure it out to see if like the insurance company would just be like, Hey, yep, I won't run it until Monday, but I'm going to give it to you now kind of thing. But then they were closed. I ended up having to cancel spin class. I'm bawling at Hardik drug. I was just, it was very frustrating because I don't know enough information about it, but it just seems like the insurance companies really kind of take it to you know, like trying to be pg here yeah um because it's like some of the things that i'm seeing is like a bottle of insulin you know it used to cost you 35 40 but now that same unit that same thing of insulin is now costing people in the hundreds like 200s 300s so i mean and that's a life-saving right. drug so it's frustrating when, you know, I got it all worked out and it's funny because it was kind of like a little thing to the insurance company, but the insurance company ended up running it wrong the last time I got it. So they gave me a credit. <laughs> wow. I know. So I went from sobbing, well, first being frustrated and a little snippy to then sobbing because I was like, I have to have insulin. To then laughing, then crying again, then apologizing because I was... It was a a lot of emotions in a 27-minute heartache drug Your life depends on it. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but... So then I've talked to my doctor and we've kind of tweaked my prescriptions and stuff like that. So, yeah, I always have my prescriptions. Usually it's about five pens. And then a pen is supposed to last you 28 days. Hmm. So... Sometimes it goes by faster, and then sometimes I use it a little longer because it still is working. So, sure. but they just recommend the twenty-eight days. But yeah, wow. so yeah, it's really informative. I had no idea. Yeah, that way. What did you? What do you think? How? What you experienced with your health? How has that influenced who you are today? Um, I feel like with the diabetes, it has definitely given me that motivation and kind of that mantra of like, you have to keep going. So even, you know, in all aspects, like with working out or any kind of fitness or any other thing that I do, you know, you can't quit. Cause I mean, I truly cannot quit. I can be lazy and I can be frustrated, but to physically quit, I can't. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, you know, for me with this whole burnout, I've been eating bad. I've gained a lot of weight back, but I can't, but I'm realizing like, I can't quit. I've done it before. You know, I'm going to try and do it again because I have to just do better. Mm -hmm. So that's the, I mean, for me, that's the biggest thing is not quitting. Yeah. Because I mean, because I can't, you really can't. Do you feel like this. you're climbing out of that burnout phase or? I feel like I have. I think I think my positive days have been increasing more. There's still a couple of bad days, but there's not. The positive are outweighing yeah. the bad ones, vice, you know, compared to what it was. Where it was like, it was just a lot of bad days. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah. But. The honesty of, of how, how people feel on things and yeah. not hiding behind it. It's yep. important. Yes. 
So what would you say to someone who is going through a health journey? Um, you know, what, what guidance or suggestions of encouragement do you have? Well, I would definitely say, you know, find a support system, you know, reach out. The, the best thing that I have done is my honesty with everything. Like I'm very transparent to the point where it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. So if anybody has any pointers or like, don't feel like you're doing this alone yeah. because you're not, I mean, whatever the case may be, there is many, there are many people out there who are probably going through some sort of maybe not your specific struggle, but, um, some sort of struggle or whatnot. So just be honest. Like you don't have to do it alone. You can mm -hmm. ask for help because mm -hmm. that's my biggest, like, I feel like I always have had to do everything, you know, and carry all of the plates and do all of that. But with this big plate of diabetes on, I was just like, you know what? There's some things that I just, I need to ask help for. And my support system has been on board with taking some of those things. Yeah. I'm sure it's grown plate. too. Yes, yes, it has. <laughs> it has. It certainly has. So, but yeah, like definitely don't, you don't need to hide or be embarrassed or be, you know, anything. Just transparent and ask for help Yeah, are big things. Such key reminders. I think we, we get lost in that sometimes yep. because we think, well, people are dealing with their own problems. Do I really need to add mine to the right. mix when really yep. sometimes it's, Taking a break, it allows people to take a break from what's going on in their world to exactly. connect and yep. have that moment. 100%. Wow. Yeah, anything else that you want to share? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't think so. I think I covered all my bases. Um, I don't think so. Okay, well, I have a couple of questions yet. Okay. Um, Fantastic. Do you have a song or a quote that lifts you up? So I, you've been to my workouts mm -hmm. before. So my song choices are always changing, <laughs> just however I am. My pump up song that really gets me through everything right now in like the last two months. Oh God, do I even remember what its title is? I Feel Good by Pitbull. If that does not cheer you up and make you just want to dance and jam out, I don't know what, like it's... Tatum and I play it on our way to school every day. <laughs> That's a good song it's then. It's such like, a great song. Yeah. It is. I, I don't know all the words, so maybe it's not a great method. But it tells it says I feel good. So Is there an E behind it? Is it explicit? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think there's an E. Okay. I don't think I play the E. I don't think so. So that is that is my that's my jam. Yeah, I'll have to yeah. take a listen to that. So that's cool. Yes, and, and you're right. I do have the question, what do you do for fun? Oh, yes. Oh. You and your family. Um, You know, we're big on fires. We like to have campfires. Big on that. Um, Let's see, what else? River time. My dad, mm. during the summers, we go up north in Guttenberg and we go on the river. Um, My in-laws, they have a cabin up by the lake. So water things, beach wow. and water things yeah. are huge. Um, just getting together with coffee and friends and hanging out. Um, my favorite thing after like when I work out with some of my friends after the workout, we sit, we just sit there on the turf for like a good half hour, 45 minutes and just chit chat, Yeah, you know, and stuff like that. So 
yeah, I'm involved in a lot with Tatum School. So even like the events that we put on, like I really enjoyed that. So that's mm-hmm. fun for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty much hanging out with friends, trying new workout things. Hot yoga was fantastic. I tried that for the first time. It was hot. Wow. It was really good. Um, yeah. That that's pretty cool. much well, speaking of first things, yeah. do you have a bucket list? Is there something you want to oh, do? Man. There is. And it should, it would have happened if it wasn't for the darn pandemic. But I've been wanting to go to Hawaii. That's been on my bucket list for yeah. a very, very long time. There's like three states. I hit Alaska already. Hawaii and then Maine. Because back in grade school, we had for like social studies, you had to pick a state and then yeah. you learn all about them. Yeah. And I did Maine. <laughs> and I've been obsessed with Maine since I was like in fourth grade. But I haven't gotten there yet. But those are the only two states you haven't gotten to? No. Oh, no. oh I no. was like. My bucket list <laughs> states were Maine, Hawaii, and Alaska. Okay. Those are like my three like bucket list states. For a minute I thought, holy cow girl, you have been busy with traveling around. No, I'm pretty close. No, I still am missing like the whole Southwest. So yeah, yeah that whole corner. Very but cool. yeah, I like traveling. So bucket list is definitely doing that more. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, not to just bring it circling back, but I thought I was going to have more problems with traveling with diabetes, but they make it very easy. Security good. places make it very easy. Oh, so that's good. Because some people had told me that they had bad experiences mm. with it. But, nope, all my people have always been nice. They see it. They know what it is, and good. I get to move along. Good, good. So. Well, awesome. But, yeah. Well, this has just been so, just so energizing oh, to talk with you and, you know, the personality that you bring. I just love talking to you. And, you know, just oh, the rawness, you. too, of, like, this is not an easy topic to talk about. No. You know, but people are experiencing it, and there may be people that listen to this like I said, have, are that person or have yep. someone in their family or their friends or and don't know how to talk about it. But I right. feel like you kind of created that invitation for them to just say, how are you doing? What can I do for you? Yeah. In that regard. So Good. thank you so much oh, for being part of thank you for having this. me. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening in to the Hardship Journey episode. It would mean so much to me if you would share this episode with a friend or family member or even post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me get the message out. And I hope you feel inspired and motivated from listening to this episode. And no matter what comes your way on life's journey, you can make your own hardship journey.